I love this church. I mean, I love Living Waters Church. I can't begin to tell you the impact you guys have had on me and my family, but I'm going to do my best. And a couple things I'm going to share with you tonight are very difficult for me to to do that. Uh, I'm going to share some very profound uh, moments in my life that we've walked through in the last couple years. Then my hope and aim is that it will encourage you, it will build you up, it will show you, thank you. I got water now. (laughs) You took the warm one. I got to tell you, it's a humble honor to stand here before you tonight, to be entrusted with your ear. It's a weighty responsibility that I do not take lightly. And I thank you. I ask for your grace. I ask that you would uh, bear with me. I'm not a seasoned pastor. I'm filling in for some giants tonight, and it's it's a challenge. But by the grace of God, he has a word for you, and I'm just a mouthpiece. So, Father, I just right now, I surrender to your will as we spend some time seeking the truth of of. Your word, I just ask that it penetrates deep into our spirit and that, as Joe prayed, we we leave changed, Father God, grown up into maturity. I thank you, Lord, for this time, and I ask you to bless it in Jesus' name. Let's read 1 Thess chapter 5 like we all did as a a family a couple weeks ago, a week or two ago. 1 Thess 5. I read out of the English Standard Version. It may be different than some of your others, but um, here we go. I'm going to start in verse 1. Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you, for you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light, children of the day. Thank you, Lord. We are not of the night or of the darkness. So then, let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night. Those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. I've been reading this quite a lot lately, and the last five words, just as you are doing, you know, it didn't really mean a whole lot to me until the last few days. But this church, Living Waters Church, is building up believers in Christ. You're looking at one of them that has been grown up to the place I am now. And I hadn't arrived yet. But man, Sarah and I have grown so much in the last several years being here. And I just want to let you know that even even the people that I only see when I'm here, the smiles, the hugs, the warmth, it carries a lot of weight. And it is is more of a blessing than you can imagine. Um... I want to tell you a little bit about the impact this church has had on me. I'm going to take it kind of through the timeline. So the ranch we moved down here from, northern New Mexico, was a a spiritual desert. Sarah and I, we were married in 2011, and she was a believer. I'm a believer. That's that's fine and well, but the the place we were at was, was a desolate place in terms of fellowship. We were unchurched. We There was some... 
attempts at Bible study and fellowship that, that failed. Uh, we, were, we were consumed with work. We were consumed with the weekend, go out dancing, tie one on, have a good time. Um, before we came to Living Waters Church, we had no sense of the value of church family. We, family to us was mom, dad, brother, sister. Uh, family to me now is the people I'm looking at. I mean, the, the church family to us now means so, it means so much. I, there's no words in my vocabulary to, to describe the value I have in my church family. Um, but anyway, so we were married up at the ranch. We did our best to try to walk with the Lord while we were up there on our own. But you know how isolated Christians are. Uh, without the fellowship, the support system of your brothers and sisters in Christ, it makes things a little more difficult. So we were married 2011. We got, we got offered this job. I took a job 2013, Sarah and I both did, to Texas. Never thought I'd live in Texas. Sarah, being a New Mexican, she dang sure didn't expect to live in Texas, let alone now be a mother of three Texans. So, <laughs> so again, we didn't have family at Vermejo. Vermejo was the name of the ranch we were at before. It was a, it was a dry place. Um, we came here. We shopped. I think we may have gone to a couple churches before we landed at at Living Waters, somebody at the bank, I think, told us about Living Waters Church and we should give it a whirl. So we came in all quiet-like in the back door over there on our first time and, and we're, you know, making our way to the seat and, you know, waiting for the preacher to get going. And first thing Robert says when he comes up here is, well, praise the Lord, church. And he, he said, now, I don't like guns. I like pretty guns. And I'm thinking, man, this guy gets it. <laughs> we're, we're on the same page. This is good. Keep in mind, as a, spiritual, as a spiritual baby I was at that time, at that point, my perspective of coming to, to church is to come to receive, right? You come to get something out of it. Let's see if maybe the pastor has something to say that will help me. Um, well, I did like the pastor. I did like he made me laugh. And not to mention you people. I mean, WJ and Carrie, they were like, they acted like we were family from day one. Uh, it wasn't, we were maybe two or three Sundays in where, Tracy Hillis popped out of the back with a word for Sarah, a word of knowledge directly from Jesus. And we're like, you know, that was all new to us. You know, it's like, man, something's going on here, and I want to know what it is. So we, we kept enjoying the services, and we kept enjoying the hospitality and the friendliness and all this. And next thing you know, we're, we come on a, a Wednesday night. And a Wednesday night, instead of having a typical church service, Robert turned into a, a, a prayer house. It's like, let's just grab hands and pray. Uh, we turn around and look for somebody to pray with, and there happened to be a couple behind us. We held hands and prayed, and it uh, happened to be Jeannie and Lex. And that was uh, a very powerful moment because Lex had told me after that that he sensed in his spirit at that time that he and I would be spending a lot of time together, which we had. Started going to Sunday school. Um, Sunday school was interesting about Sunday school was I thought that it, would, it had been planned ahead of time, like, okay, I'm going to teach this over here in Sunday school, and then you, you preach on this over here in church, and maybe we'll, you know, make a connection. Well, the connections happen every week. They're, the Holy Spirit uses what is said on these grounds to, to minister to people and to bless people. And, uh, uh, you, you know, used to, that would really amaze me, and I was like, wow, can you believe that, you know, that just happened? Well, now I've come to expect it. Um, it happens all the time. The Holy Spirit is here. This is a Holy Spirit church. And this church is where it's at, as far as I'm concerned. What I love about Robert is he's, he's funny, you know, he's a man's man, he's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a wonderful person, but what I really value about his preaching is his transparency. He shows you who he is, he, he doesn't hide his struggles, he doesn't put on this image like he's got it all figured out. 
I respect that about the man. Another thing I respect about Robert is he has taught me, the, and Joe, you have too, about speaking what comes out of your mouth, the importance of what comes out of your mouth, and how to control yourself and control the environment, control your spirit, govern your spirit by what comes out of your mouth. That was, that was for Sarah and I both, that was, it took us a while to grasp that, but once we understood it, and now that we're practicing it, that's a, that's a game changer. Um, the relationships that we've, we've developed here, and they continue to bud. I mean, it's, an, it's a living thing. There's new people coming and going. You have seasons with this person, seasons with that person. And the, the relationships here that have stemmed out of this church and our family are more meaningful and deep. I mean, these are deep, deep waters here. I mean, I'm looking at, at you people, and we've had moments with almost every with you that it's just, I'm, I'm at a loss for words of how much this church means. And the reason why is because of what I have learned since I've moved here. The things that I now understand regarding the Word of God, our walk with the Lord, walking in the Spirit, um, not being of the world but being transformed by the renewal of your mind. I'm starting to see these things now, and, and it's, it's very exciting. You know, it was, it was about, you know, in the last few years, I realized that church wasn't uh, a Sunday morning car wash, go get cleaned up and wash the week off. You know, used to, it was show up on Sundays, if you're really feeling religious, maybe go on a Wednesday night, you know, and then you go back and, and do life, and it's completely different. Now then, church is life, right? Ministry is life. Every day, it's an opportunity to serve, and every day should be taken seriously because our days are numbered. I mean, our days are numbered, and we need to be about the business. Man, this last year... For our family, I have been reminded and reminded and reminded of how important every single second of our breathing life is. I love the fact that the friends out of this church, you know, I do business with some of you people. Uh, we eat together. We work together. We worship together. But it's the fellowship is the same. No matter if we're setting up a hog trap or if we're sitting next to each other right here tonight worshiping the Lord, it's, it's fellowshipping in the spirit, which has come to mean so much for us, to us. So, uh, as I started listening to Robert preach more and more, and every now and then Lex would jump in and preach, I'm starting to hear this, the word bubble out, you know. And previously I was pretty skeptic of anybody that would take this position at a pulpit, and if they quote a Bible verse, I'm going to flip in there and find it and see if it's true. Well, it was true, and it was true again and again and again and again. And these people understood the word of God like I'd never seen before. Um, and I wanted to know why. I wanted to know how. I wanted to know how is it possible that you understand, that you have such a deep understanding of this mystical book, the Bible. So a hunger developed in my spirit, and I pursued it. Um, many of you know the story. I, I heard Lex speak at a men's night one night, and I asked him, hey, you know, can we get together and talk about this because I'm interested in how well you know the Word. Well, of course, that's all it took. And for years after that, the guy would meet me at any time was convenient for me, at any place it was convenient for me, and, and, and just pour himself into me in a way that has taught me to father my children, quite frankly, Lex. You are a living example of what we were supposed to do for the kingdom of God, and I appreciate and admire that very deeply. So I learned how to, I learned the, the ins and outs of discipleship. I was discipled uh, when I was Back in Georgia, I was learning to cast a fly rod, and I worked for Orvis and did fly fishing schools. Well, the guy that I happened to be with, he didn't teach me how to cast the fly rod. He taught me how to teach the cast. Same thing with the wing shooting, the shotgun stuff. They didn't teach me how to shoot the shotgun. They taught me how to teach the right gun mount so I could pass that information on. It's the same very thing in our walk with Christ. We have 
elders, mentors come alongside us, teach us how to go, and pass on, carry the baton. So here I was, uh, you know, I latch on to Lex, I'm memorizing the word, I'm starting to speak out the word, I'm starting to see things happen, I'm starting to react to the world a little bit differently, and the change is occurring at a rapid rate. <laughs> I got to admit, when Sarah married me uh, in 2011, I love to just say that I wooed her off her feet, but Sarah is more mature than I am now, and she was back then when I was 25. <laughs> and uh, when I took the job, you know, my, my deal at Vermejo is I'd take off of the summers, and I was a fishing guide, right? What are fishing guides? You guys know how fishing guides are. We take our clients out, and then we go shoot the bull, and we talk about it. Well, it's not exactly... Uh, helping me to mature as a man, right? So when, when, I first, when we first got married, our marriage was not in order, okay? I was immature. I didn't handle the things that, that I ought to handle as a husband. And here's my poor wife. <laughs> She's probably thinking, what have I gotten myself into? Because one thing we made a deal of, you, you marry me and you better shoot me if you want out because there ain't no divorce coming here. <laughs> well, our marriage began to change when I started memorizing the word because were, you can just holler it out. She said it sure did. And you could just belt it out, baby. The change happened solely from my being exposed to the living and active word of God. This wasn't like I'm going to clean up my act kind of thing. Jesus Christ cleaned up my act for me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So, at this church, I was discipled, right? I started memorizing the Word. I started learning how to walk in the Spirit, which I'm still learning, right? We're, we're in this fight together. We haven't arrived yet. Um, after several, several meetings, Lex is always telling me about this freedom prayer stuff. I went, I went to freedom prayer. I learned about forgiveness. And I learned about unforgiveness. And I spent some time in prayer with some of my close friends now. And, and I forgave some people. I began the process of forgiveness. Uh, I still, still do work on that. It's a process sometimes. But I started, I started learning about this forgiveness thing. We all deal with forgiveness. We either need to dish it out or we need to receive it. But we all have areas where forgiveness is very important. After my freedom prayer, uh, the big takeaway from my first freedom prayer was Holy cow, I just heard the voice of Jesus, like right now. And it lines up with this Bible. This is, there is something to this. Um, do you guys remember, uh, maybe three or four or five weeks ago, Sunday morning, Robert talked about the importance of forgiving your natural father. He talked about forgiveness and, and our father. Um, well, that, that lit me up, and, and you're about to learn why. Um, so after this discipleship thing, the, the, I started to grow a little bit. I started to get hungry for the Word of God. I then learned I, I was being equipped to do something. I was being equipped to act. I was being equipped to go forth and do something. Okay, that was what was welling up in my spirit. If you would, turn over to Ephesians 6, and we're going to look at a very familiar passage of Scripture together. But I want to share with, with you something that I just received. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. 
Be strong in the Lord. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Now, here's, here's what I want to tell you about. Verse 14, stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. When I read this the other day, it occurred to me that this is what happened in my life, you know, around what I just described to you. So I learned how to put on my belt of truth, okay? And that's eating the word of God, hearing the word of God, studying the Word of God, memorizing the Word of God, the Word, the belt of truth. I was getting the truth into my life for the first time. Put on the breastplate of righteousness. When you know the Word and it's on the tip of your tongue, now you can do the Word. So when I talked to you about uh, Sarah's, Sarah and I's marriage changing, it was because I would now react to things differently than I otherwise would have because the Lord would bring to my remembrance everything He said to me. He, he would tell me in the heat of the battle, what the word says, and there was the fork in the road. Am I going to do what I want to do, or am I going to try this Bible thing? And I chose the Bible thing. I began to do what it said, which became very much a joy and a victory and a win uh, amidst of losses. I don't do it all the time, right? I mean, we fail, but God's grace is so good, and he has shown me that you put on the belt of truth, then you can put on your, your breastplate of righteousness, and now then, as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. So here's where the transformation in my life occurred, where, okay, maybe we don't just show up at church to hear and receive. Maybe we are supposed to offer something. Maybe we are supposed to do something. Maybe there's someone at church that needs to hear something I have to say. You know, we all have something to offer. This is the body of Christ. We all have something to give. So, the big, the big uh, takeaway on that for me was to depart from what, what my comfort zone was. You know, I grew up in South Georgia in the Baptist Belt, and the church that I was, the, the, the church knowledge that I had was, all right, we can go, but you better not let them know about this. You better hide that. You better not talk about this. You better, and it's very, very much about the presentation of oneself. What I'm learning now is that to be uncomfortable, we must be transparent. We must be willing to step beyond what we know or are comfortable with so we can completely and utterly depend on God. That's what I'm doing here tonight, folks. This is not an easy place to be, but I trust God and I'm willing to obey. Um, so what I want to talk to you about, I want to give you a little family history. Um, I'm the youngest child of three. My brother, Brandon, is 16 months older than I am. And I hope my two boys aren't this way, but my brother and I fought like crazy until he moved out. I mean, we, we were completely opposite. We didn't gel. The day he moved out to college, we were joined at the hip, and still to this day, there are not very many days that goes by where I don't hear from my brother. I always looked up to him. He was always bigger than I was. Even in high school, we wrestled the same weight class. He still always beat me. There was times where I'd been in the gym and got stronger than he he still beat me. He's my big brother, right? There's no beating your big brother. 
he's always been in a uh, he's always been my elder. Okay, so there's never been a, a period in time where I was showing or teaching him something until one until one point, which was two years ago. Um, this is in the, in the time that I was being grown up in the Word, grown up in the Lord. My brother was going through a really difficult time. He, long story short, he married a gal that was not, after a year of marriage, was no longer interested in being a domestic housewife, was not interested in serving the Lord. The marriage went south. My brother fought tooth and nail. He, he had a very difficult time accepting uh, failure. My brother is very driven and motivated like myself. And when we set out to do something, we want it to work. This, was, this, this crushed my brother. This, my brother is a very strong man. He's a very, uh, <clears throat> he's a good guy. Anyway, it, it was really hard for him. But the good news is, is the Lord was giving me all this ammunition just to pass over to him. And what I did, and we were on the phone every single day for about a year because I was pointing him to the word of Christ. And the word was blessing him and it was sustaining him as he walked through this valley. So he, he finally latched on to it, and he started building steam. He started getting his feet back under him, if you will. He's, he changed churches. He started using his own gifts and service to the Lord, which is he's a musician. He's, he started worshiping with the church and using his gifts that way, and things started to look good. He met another a young lady that was good, and uh, he was being poured into by some other mentors, and everything was looking good. So I started learning about this forgiveness thing, like I told you about, and it occurred to me that my brother and I both had a huge, huge uh, forgiveness thing we needed to tackle with our father. Okay, so my parents and I, my parents split up when I was five, and somehow it goes where I went with mom, dad was up there, I was taught my whole life, dad's a bad guy, all he cares about is money, I'm your mom, I'll do whatever you want, you know, so we were torn, right? So as we grew up and developed our own friends in Georgia, we no longer wanted to visit him, and, and years and years and years went by where I didn't talk to my father. And especially where the bitterness sprang up was college years. So my grandfather paid for my dad's education, and where was my dad when it was time for us to go to school? He wasn't around, you know? And then I had my mom feeding this fire. I don't think she meant to, but... So it, it, it all was adding up and pointing toward bitterness. And my brother and I, we had to hustle and scratch and take out debt, and do whatever we could to get through school, which we did on our own. So there was a lot of reason to not want to forgive my father. Uh, there's, I mean, it's, that's a deep chapter. But I knew that the Bible said we are to honor our mother and father. He is my father. We are to honor the man. We are also to forgive the man. So I was at a place in my walk where I pitched it to my brother. Hey, Brennan, why don't, what do you say we forgive Bob? He's like, all right, let's do it. He was ready at that point. He wasn't ready before. He's ready now. He was being built up and encouraged in the word. He's like, yeah, let's be free. Let's get free. You know, let's do this. Maybe he'll come to know the Lord. So it, the man, my dad, <laughs> he's uh, very well-off man. He's an engineer. He, he's, when he pulls out a dollar out of his pocket, Washington starts blinking, you know. And he's, he doesn't. He hustles to save a penny, you know what I mean? Um, instead of filling up the propane tank in the Midwest, he chops wood. Propane tank, you can fill it up for like 300 bucks, but he wants to chop wood all summer, do it that way. 
So when we decided to pay him a visit, and mind you, we haven't spoken to the man in a long, long time, long, long time, until we picked up the phone and called him. said, Bob, we're coming to see you. Oh, yeah? It's been a long time. You sure must have been mad at me. And I told him right then and there, I said, here's the deal. None of the past matters anymore. We're coming to talk to you about this very thing. All we're interested in is we want to get to know you. We left it at that. So what we decided to do is, Brent, let's wait until it's wood chopping season. Let's go up there and, because my dad always does it himself. Heaven forbid he hire somebody to help him. So let's go up there, take a few days. I'm chopping, stack as much wood as we physically can in three days. And when we're done with that, when we speak his love language, <laughs> then let's sit down. Maybe we can get his ear. So we did, and my brother, he told me, he said, Chad, just take the lead on it, man. Just, you know, it's like, what is going on here? My big brother's telling me to take the lead on something. 10-4, let's go. So we, we have a good time working together. It was really interesting to be back at the home place where I have a lot of childhood memories. And we hustled, and we worked, and it was good. It was like, it was like two dogs that fight. If you have two dogs that fight with each other, if you get them working alongside one another, they won't fight. <laughs> but that's kind of how it was with us three. We actually had a really good time. We were cutting wood. We were hustling. We were sweating. We were running big old 60-inch chainsaws and backhoes, and it was fun, you know? Well, so we're, we're done, and we're cleaning up stuff and sharpening chains, and, and Brandon winks at me, and I'm like, all right. I said, sit down. We got we to gotta talk. And he kept on working. I was like, Dad, sit down. And... I need your attention. I got something big to share with you. And he's like, okay, kind of confused. My dad had never previously shown, this, you guys have known people like this. He's not an emotional man. He doesn't talk feelings. Uh, he, he wasn't nurtured as a young man. My granddad was all about business too. So never seen any mushy-gushy. I'm a very affectionate person, as you guys know. I, I love my kids. I'm a very, very huggy kind of guy. Well, my dad's not. So uh, we told him that my parents, you know, they were divorced when I was five. I was later adopted by my stepdad. And so my name, I was born Leonard. My name changed to Margaret through an adoption. And now it was time to bridge the gap that a divorce put in our family and, and do some patchwork, okay? So he didn't, Bob didn't know about, my dad didn't know about this, the name change business until until what I'm about to tell you. You know, we were market, he signed us off. We, we, we were told that he did that to save having to pay child support. You know, just a lot of nasty words were spoken over that. So we sit him down. I said, Dad, uh, you need to know something, that you weren't there for us growing up, and we weren't there for you, and you didn't honor us as your children, and we didn't honor you as your sons, and we forgive you, you don't owe us anything. We love you. We will honor you until the last breath we have. We will honor the Leonard name, and we will serve you. We will, we will be your sons from this day going forward. And that kind of got his attention. And then, by the way, we're changing our name. We're coming back to the family. And also, by the way, too, you have two sons that are named Leonard also, two grandsons, and the Leonard name which was dead after the name change, is now the family legacy can continue. And I had a lot more to say, but to my disbelief, this guy just 
came unglued. And he grabbed my brother and I in his arms, and he wept and wept and wept and wept and wept. And it just seemed like it was never going to stop. And I was, like, shocked, you know, shocked, because I never dreamed this man would care so much about this. So finally, when he got his stuff together and he took a deep breath, the next words were, you will never know how many nights that I cried and cried and cried until there were no tears left because I'd lost my family. And I'm like, really? I never knew you felt that way. <laughs> so that, then we said our piece, and then now is my opportunity. I said, you need to know why this is happening. You need to know why this is happening. I said, the, the power to forgive you is not in Chad and Brandon. Christ lives in us. It is no longer we who live, but Christ who lives in us. And Jesus Christ has called us to forgive and honor you as our Father. And it's by God's grace that we are here. It's by God's grace that our family has been united. And you probably ought to look into this God thing. <laughs> Which he, oh yeah, he's kind of, you know. He was blessed, man. I mean, he was so blessed. And to this day, he just, with joy, he talks about how monumental a moment that was in, in our family history. So as, as time has gone on, that was a wonderful thing. And things are not perfect with my dad. He's actually coming here at the end of the week. Maybe you guys will see him here. But uh, he is, he's a, it's been wonderful. I mean, we talk all the time. My brother and he talk all the time. He talks to my sons and Sarah, and it's, all, it's, it's, it's like family, right? It's not perfect yet, but I'm believing. And I haven't prophesied over me and my family that every single person would be saved. So I'm standing in a place of expectancy um, it will happen. I believe it. But as Robert preached that night about forgiving your father and what that will do for you, uh, I was tingling with the Holy Spirit joy when he said that because, man, I can testify to what has happened and transpired in not only my life, but my brother's life. Our whole family dynamic has been turned around in a very dramatic way. So uh, my brother... He was, he was in a very dark place. He was in a very spiritual, immature place before. He went through this marriage failure that almost crushed him. The new girl that I told you about, he ended up marrying. She happens to be the daughter of a converted Jew that hasn't, hasn't missed a quiet time in like 40 years. They speak the word of God. This daughter of theirs is a spiritual giant. She is a prayer warrior. Every single morning before they leave the house, they don't just sit on the bed and hold hands and pray. They do something I think I would, wouldn't want to do, but praise God. They sit there, and they hold hands, and they put their foreheads together, and they pray like that. And I'm like, Brandon, it's, you know, what's that like? He's like, you know, it's kind of awkward at first, but once you kind of get used to it, the unity and the intimacy of the prayer, it's, it's awesome. So here he is now, the, 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 the guy finally has a woman who adores him, who supports him. He supports his dreams, his missions, what he does. I mean, she has got his back. Praise God. Brandon is growing like a weed. I mean, spiritually, he is he's being well-churched. He's eating the word himself. His, there's unity in the family. They're all striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. And now then, He's a competitive CrossFit guy, okay? And so he's in, he sells homes in Atlanta, so his peer group is a bunch of executive, high-money kind of people. Well, he is now leading a study of about 15 of these executive guys, and he just called me Saturday. Hey, you won't believe it, man. We led a guy to Christ this morning. 
You know, so he's, he is, the, on Father's Day this, this year, Brandon got a Father's Day card. Brandon doesn't have any kids. And it's from one of these millionaire guys that, that gave him, it's like one of his worldly mentors, if you will, in the real estate business, gave him a Father's Day card. Brandon's confused. What is this? I don't have any children. He said, you're my spiritual father, Brandon. Brandon is now leading people in the way of the Lord. Look at what has happened in our family. Uh, my family. Man. And let me just say, for those of you who look at my family from the outside in and see my beautiful wife and my three beautiful children and think we just live in a fairy tale of blessings, I invite you to think that way as long as you will. But, <laughs> but there's others of you that know better. <laughs> Nonetheless, God has his good hand upon me and my family in a powerful, powerful way. Oh, my Lord, to tell you how blessed I am is beyond measure. Um, this, this last uh, 18 months or so, God has shown me his desire for me to be here with you guys, and not just me and my family. He has shown me that no weapon formed against me will prosper. He didn't tell me that no weapon will be formed against me. He told me that no weapon formed against me will prosper. Because every single one of my family members in the last year or so has been attacked. I mean, last March, this, the skeet incident on me, Sarah, we had no, it was March, I had the deal. And then this time last summer, we were doing something at work. And one of my, what I was doing was gathering acorns from lacy oaks and chinkapin oaks and propagating these oak trees so we can plant them and add to our living library of trees we have on the ranch. So what I would do is go up and gather the acorns and bring them back and do the viability test and blah, blah, blah. Well, to go up there and get some seed off the trees, like, come on, boys, you want to go with me? Talking to Aiden and Asher, and Aiden was two and Asher was three this time last year. And I'm in my shorts and Crocs because we live in the river in the afternoon in the summer like anybody that lives next to the river. So I invite the boys, you want to go for a ranger ride to come with me up, up top and get some seed? Yeah, Daddy, let's go. Okay. Well, I'm about to get in the ranger, and I now know that the voice of God came to me right then and said, get those Crocs off and put your boots on. Something told me to stop what I was doing, get those sandals off and put some boots on. I listened to that voice, and I said, hang on. I went up to the porch and put my boots on, tied them up tight, got rid of my Crocs. And, I, you know, you ever think you hear the voice of God, and you do it, and you, know, one, and you find yourself wondering, was that really, was that you, Lord, or am I just crazy, you know? Well, <laughs> so we get, up, we get up on this incline, and blue oaks, lacy oaks, live on the ridges. They don't live in the valleys, and so we're up on this slope, and the ranch we live on is very, very steep and rugged hill country you know so I parked the ranger up on this ridge and I'm on an incline I put the thing in park pull the e-brake on keys off you know I tell the boys just stay right there don't touch anything I'm gonna walk over to this tree and get some seed so I'm literally probably 20 or 30 feet away from the ranger uphill okay there the, the boys are on the ranger down there and I'm up over here gathering seed and the ranger starts to move and we're on a, it's, it's a really steep decline. There's a little bit of a plateau, and then it goes off into no man's land. That ranger starts rolling. And I mean, it starts rolling fast. And I'm looking at those kids, and they're hanging on, and they're looking at me like, all right, what do we do? So I start running, and I know that 
either, either I'm going to get to that range or those kids are fixing to be killed right in front of me. And it was not, I mean, it was, I was going to get to that ranger. Hell or high water, I was going to get to that ranger. In order to do that, I was jumping through Agarita over deadfall. I mean, it wasn't just like a mowed grass. I had to bushwhack my way as fast as I physically could. And by the time I made it to the ranger, it swung in. And I'm just telling them, hold on, boys, just hold on. And the, the look in their eyes, man, I can still see it. I, I, it's a very, very heavy thing to recollect. But by the grace of God, I make it to the ranger. I jump, swing in, hit the brakes. And I look behind me, and we have, we have a matter of feet before it goes, I mean, off of that plateau. It, it traveled about 100 yards from the time the e-brake was pulled, and that's what, that's what happened. The e-brake was released. Kids, bad decision, whatever. God's goodness, God's grace. God told me to put your boots on. Chad, you're going to need your boots on for this. God is protecting my family for something. That's what I said earlier about we have to take we have to take advantage of every single day. Every minute, every minute matters, every day matters. We have a job to do while we are here, every single one of us. I get to that ranger and I am a wreck, you know. I stop the thing and the kids have no clue. Oh, we're ready to go again. I was like, you just sit down and give daddy a minute. <laughs> And to, the, to this day, they tell me, oh, well, there's the hill, Dad. Don't want to go down the hill again. It's like, just don't talk about that anymore, okay? Mm. I'd like to tell you that that was the end of the attacks and everything's been fine since. The next spring, my baby girl was born, this last spring. And Sarah, God bless her, her body takes labor and delivery like a champ. I mean, it's like a well-oiled machine. I tell her, she just pops some babies out, just, you know, just easy peasy. Two and three hour labor and delivery. She sees it differently, but but <laughs> Ava <laughs> Ava was born in no time and she came right out, all natural. Praise God, everything's good. We go home and Sarah becomes infected. And her core, I mean, my wife is writhing in, in agonizing pain. I mean, writhing in pain. And also I should tell you that the three weeks leading up to this. The enemy was all over me about fear. I had fear. I was afraid of this labor and delivery. I was worried about, and you know, I know what God's truths are, but the enemy was attacking me. He was putting anxiety on me. He was putting fear on me. And I was just, I had these thoughts of some women don't make it through this. You know, what am I going to do without my wife? And when she got infected, all those things bubbled up. And to see your wife hurting in that way, and the helplessness, man, it, it shook us, guys. I mean, it shook us to the core. It shook me to the core. But God preserved her. God needs her to mother these children. God needs her to support her husband. God needs her to bless all of you. Last week, we're in the river, like always. Kids got the floaties. We're in the process of getting them waterproof. They're not there yet. Aiden... When he was in the womb, he, he moved so much and was so active that we named him Aiden, little fiery one. <laughs> well, he lives up to his name. The kid is fearless. He is fast, and he's coordinated, and he's very reactive, and he wants to get in the river without his floaty on. Well, you see where the story's going. Next thing you know, the kid's underwater, gurgling, can't get out. 
And Sarah gets to him, was able to pull him out in time. He was fine. And about the time we made it home is when it started sinking in, is how that could have gone if the good hand of God was not on our family. You know, these things, all, th- all of these things have shook us to the core, and it just pointed us to a place, a new level of gratitude for God's provision in our lives, his protection, and it just spurs us on to want to serve and make the best use of our days. You know, I married a woman that I knew ahead of time did not want to be a mom. Sarah was, Sarah, those of you that know her well, she's a very strong individual. She is, when I married her, she was, you know, building fence, labor, bucking bales of hay, you name it. She's a cowboy wrapped up in a petite little body. She's got this farm boy strength. We used to wrestle and tussle before we had kids, and she's strong, and she's got this mental grit, you know. She's, she won't take no, I mean, she's mentally and physically, she's just, she's a very strong lady. So I knew when I married her, I knew her a little bit by that time. I ain't going to be the one to change her mind on that topic. That's a big topic. And I've told, I told the Lord, man, you know how I feel about kids. I want to be a daddy. I didn't have that growing up. I want to be a daddy, Lord, but I know I'm not going to change your mind. You're going to have to. I'm going to give that to you. So on her 30th birthday, I came home, and there's Sarah on the back porch bawling like a baby. I said, what are you doing? What's the matter? She said, Jesus just asked me who I was to stand in the way of him bringing a mighty man or woman of God through us to the world. So praise the Lord, now we got three. (laughs) So (laughs) God's plan for our lives, I I don't know exactly what it entails, but I do know it, it entails taking in the word of God, letting it change us, letting us build us up, and using the gifts he has given us to bless and minister and to serve. That is what we are called to do. Um. I want to read some scriptures to you now, and let me just read these scriptures to you now. 2 Peter 2.2 Like newborn infants, long for pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation. Psalm 34.13 Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Turn away from evil and seek peace and pursue it. Bear with me. I'm just going to barrel through these if I haven't already said that. Second Peter 3.17. The second part of 17, it says, Take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And the one last passage I want to share with you is Hebrews 12, starting in verse 12. Starting in verse 7, I'm sorry. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them, But he disciplines us for our good, that we may share in his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Therefore, lift your drooping hands, strengthen your weak knees, and make straight paths for your feet, 
so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. So what I want to leave with you guys tonight is just kind of a twofold challenge. Forgiveness. We must seek and pursue reconciliation. So I ask you, as you leave here tonight, as we pray here at the end, search your life for areas where we can forgive. I have seen it with my own eyes. When we forgive those people, it's a key. It unlocks a door to favor and blessings that God has for us that we can't even imagine. I've seen the impossible happen in my life because of unforgiveness, because of forgiveness, excuse me. The other part of that is to step out of where your comfort zone is. You know, the American church, I think one of the, the, the things we must be alert for and to be prepared against is complacency, spiritual complacency. It is so easy to get in the, the grind of life, to get in the habit of doing this and this and this, but we must be stretched if we're going to grow. If we're going to grow, we got to be stretched, we got to be exerted, and we have to rest and recover and gain that wisdom. You know, it's... It's, it's important that we grow, church. We have got to be stretched. We've got to be willing to step out where we're not comfortable in a no-man's land and trust God that we may be used as vessels to advance the kingdom of God. I hope this stuff blessed you tonight. That's, that's the end of my time with you tonight. I, I thank you so much for the love that is in every single one of you. I mean, man, I have such a deep affection for this church, for all of you people. You guys have poured yourselves into me, my family, and I'm just thankful that we can do this thing together. We are striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, and we're doing the work of the ministry. So I just encourage you to be free, forgive, seek it out, pursue it. Don't just let it, don't just deal with it when it comes to you. Go after it. Let's be on the offense. Let's attack it. Let's drive the enemy out and maintain our freedom. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, we are here for you. Lord Jesus, your name is above all names. One day, at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. I thank you, Lord, that we bow our knee to your name today, tonight, right now. Thank you, Lord, that we do not have to be governed by our flesh. I thank you, Lord, for your Holy Spirit that tells us what is right and what is wrong, that teaches us things that are yet to come. I thank you, Father, the God, that you sent Jesus for freedom, that we can have freedom right now. I thank you, Lord, that the enemy has no ground in our lives because we are rightful heirs of the kingdom of heaven. I ask your blessing upon your people tonight, Father God. I ask for your strength to be poured into these people. I thank you, Lord, that we do not have to be afraid. If God is for us, who can be against us? Lord, we have work to do right now. Every single one of these people has something to bring to the table. Let us not waste time, Father God. Show us right now, Lord, in the Spirit, what it is that each of us needs to do differently, that we may further glorify you, Lord. I thank you for breaking off the chains that hinder us. I thank you, Lord, for all the goodness that you pour down upon all of us, the, the unity in this church alone. But, Father, for your mercy on us, for your grace, Lord. I thank you that all we like sheep have gone astray, Lord. But you have laid on Jesus Christ the iniquity of us all. I thank you, Lord, that while we were yet sinners, he died for us. 
And when you see us, you don't see us the way we see us. Your perspective of us is different. And I ask that you would show us what to do to help better serve you and push forward the battle lines. That when you do come back, Father, when you send Jesus Christ to come and gather us up, that we will not be surprised, but we will be ready, ready, ready to enter and to hear the words, well done, my good and faithful servant. So bless them, Father God. Protect them as they go home. Teach us, Lord. Build us up. Grow us up into maturity. And bring others that are hungry, Lord. Bring other spiritual babies to us, Father, that we can pour in what's been poured into us. Bless Robert as, as he travels, Father God. Thank you for the leadership in this church. Thank you for your Holy Spirit, Lord, that lives in us. The comfort, the rest, the supernatural peace that surpasses all understanding. We are thankful for these things. And we pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Hello, this is Robert Richards, and you're listening to The Waterhole, our weekly broadcast, which is now available on iTunes and all major podcast platforms. You can also watch the weekly video broadcast on our YouTube channel. Links in the description. I pray this has been a blessing to you, and if you've enjoyed this message, please share this with a friend. God bless you, and remember, no matter where you are and what you've done, Jesus loves you.